everybody. Welcome back to another session of the M&A Masterclass. We are super excited for session two, an introduction to business planning. Hey guys, um, Eric Pasifici, SMB underscore attorney on Twitter. Just want to say thank you for the incredible response to issue one which frankly wasn't even substantive. We didn't have any concrete information in there other than what we were planning to do in this class. The reception was pretty cool. Over Between the audio and the written piece, over 25,000 views, um, 15, just shy of 1,500 downloads. So really awesome. Uh, folks have been sending us stuff. Um, and the, uh, the response has been, frankly, for M&A, for business buying, quite surprising. You know, you always endeavor to do something like this. You don't know if you're going to be talking into a, uh, into a void. Um, and so it's cool to know that there are hopefully some folks out there that are listening to this. In today's episode, today's issue, we're going to give you guys, we're going to dive in. We're going to give you guys an overview of the M&A, of the business buying process. We're going to talk about each major stage We'll provide kind of a rough timeline, although one of the things that we highlight in the um, in the piece is that you know, the no two business buying processes, no two M&A transactions are the same. Uh, so, you know, always expect some deviations, some variation, depending on everything from seller's lawyer, seller, lender, nature of the transaction, you, that will impact the timeline. But nonetheless, we endeavor to kind of give you guys the broad strokes of what it looks like. And then, you know, we go into each component part, everything from your NDA to your LOI to your purchase agreement to your QOE, you know, all stuff that we're going to dive into much deeper in the actual course, but, you know, kicking off, giving you guys a feel for each piece. And then we go into an overview of the various players in the transaction so you can familiarize yourself with who is who. Um, And, you know, one of the things we're most excited about in this course is we're going to bring you those people during this class. We want to find the most prolific, most experienced, you know, most trusted names in each category from business brokers to lenders to QE providers and bring those people to you guys so that you can learn directly from them, that we can learn from them, that we can do a deep dive into each discipline. Um, And frankly, if you guys end up going out there and buying a business, you'll have some people in your Rolodex that you can think of um, when you're doing your deal, if you are those people, if you are a lender, QE provider, whatever, and you want to be a part of this course, you think you've got something of value to offer, we would love to hear from you. So please feel free to reach out to me or Kevin. Um, and you know, guys, our love language here is downloads, likes, subscriptions in Apple podcasts, Google, um, Spotify, uh, tell your friends about us, tell your colleagues about us. If you work for a PE fund, if you work for a law firm, tell your, your colleagues, if you're in academia, tell your students, tell your teacher, tell whomever, please share this course. We're super excited to be doing this. We love that there are those of you out there that are, are following along. And so we want to touch more people, um, and please help us do that. In the meantime, let's get started with episode two, introduction to MMA. Ready to take the plunge into SMB ownership? 
When you close your eyes, you can already see those juicy cash flows hitting your account. You can taste the freedom from the corporate grind. You've read the Harvard Business School guide and buy then build two and a half times to four times SDE. To put it mildly, you're pumped. But not so fast. Unless you've been through the business buying process before or have dealt closely with M&A in a professional capacity, you're probably wondering to yourself, how does this business buying thing actually work? In today's lesson, we'll provide a detailed overview of a typical M&A transaction and introduce you to the major players in the M&A process. Our goal in this session is to show you the metaphorical forest before we begin examining the trees in later sessions. Welcome to the second session of this M&A Masterclass. Thanks for following along. Part one, an overview of a typical M&A transaction. As a starting point, let's make one thing clear. No two M&A transactions are alike. The process of acquiring an existing operating entity, the discipline of mergers and acquisitions, or M&A, can more accurately be described as an art rather than a science. Although the market, our imaginary overlord dictating the appropriate range of terms based on compiled historical data from similar transactions, has established an expected range within which most deals should remain, everything is negotiable, especially in SMB. And negotiate you shall. Additionally, facts and circumstances, like the type, size, nature, and tax consequences of the transaction, can vary from transaction to transaction and company to company, requiring variances in the terms of the purchase agreement, scope of due diligence, material issues to be examined, etc., However, most business buying transactions follow a fairly routine set of steps, which are described below. The initial outreach. The vast majority of business buying transactions are initiated in one of two ways. First, buyer initiated. Here, the buyer approaches the seller or target company management with an unsolicited proposal. In the SMB world, this typically comes in the form of an off-market or what we call proprietary search. Number two, seller initiated. Here, the seller decides it's time to sell his business, his or her business, engages a business broker or investment banker to run a sale process, and this is the most common path that we see in SMB. Next comes the NDA. In nearly all transactions, the buyer and seller will enter into a confidentiality agreement or a non-disclosure agreement known as an NDA which will seek to limit the scope of disclosure and use of the information obtained by the buyer and its due diligence of the target company. NDAs can sometimes be mutual, typically if the buyer will be providing equity as a form of purchase price or is otherwise making disclosures to the seller of information that needs to be protected. This is fairly rare in the small business world, however. We will discuss NDAs in greater detail in a future session. However, as a starting point, you should remember to follow the golden rule always read the NDA. There's a tendency to move fast in the deal sourcing process, but signing legal documents that you haven't fully reviewed and that you don't fully understand can have real consequences. As a practical note, however, most SMB business brokers have a standard NDA and no appetite to negotiate them. So unless there is a truly egregious issue like a non-compete, it's probably best to be diplomatic at this stage. Then comes the LOI. The letter of intent, or LOI, is a non-binding document in which you'll attempt to come 
uh, or reach an understanding with the seller on all material terms of the transaction before you spend additional time and money negotiating full transaction documents and conducting a comprehensive due diligence review. Deal points often covered in the LOI include the following. Purchase price and terms, how much you'll pay, when you'll pay it, and in what form. That could be cash. It could be a promissory note called seller financing or something else. Consulting services, how much transition support will the seller provide after the closing? Non-compete or non-competition agreement. This is how long the seller will be barred from competing with the buyer and engaging in the same type of business in the same region. Or exclusivity, how long the buyer will have the exclusive right to negotiate the business without the threat that an alternative buyer will swoop in and steal the transaction. Entering into the LOI is typically considered a major milestone and signals that the seller and buyer are ready to go from dating to engaged, so to speak. Note that except for a few key provisions, such as confidentiality and exclusivity, the LOI should be non-binding meaning neither the buyer nor the seller can sue the other party to try and enforce the terms of the LOI. It's simply a starting point to document a mutual understanding for the transaction, but it is not binding on either party. Then comes due diligence. Make sure you actually like the business. The purpose of due diligence is to provide the buyer with the necessary information regarding the business, legal, and financial affairs of the target company to determine whether to buy the company, and if so, on what terms. There are three buckets of due diligence which should be examined in this order. First is financial. Examining the financial affairs of the target company, typically handled by the buyer, and sometimes the assistance of a quality of earnings or Q of E provider. Then comes business diligence, examining the operational components of the target company. Again, this is usually handled by the buyer. And finally, legal due diligence, examining the target business for potential legal issues, which is typically handled by the buyer's legal counsel. In the legal context, this information will ultimately be used to negotiate contractual protections in the purchase agreement and or make adjustments to the purchase price or deal structure based on what's discovered during the due diligence phase. Practice tip. Material areas of emphasis in your legal due diligence should be the transferability of the assets or stock, hidden or unexpected liabilities, third-party consents or approvals that are required to close the transaction, third-party rights that may be triggered by the transaction, and restrictions on the company restrictions on the target company, and or the buyer's business. In broad strokes, due diligence typically proceeds in the following order. Pre-LOI preliminary due diligence. In this phase, the buyer receives a confidential information memorandum, known as a SIM, containing information on the target company prepared by the seller and or the seller's broker. The buyer conducts preliminary due diligence to determine whether the target business meets the buyer's requisite investment criteria. This process concludes with either the buyer deciding to submit an LOI to the seller or opting to pass on the opportunity. Then comes post-LOI due diligence. Once the LOI is signed, the buyer coordinates with a Q of E provider and legal counsel to conduct the more fulsome due diligence of the target business, starting by providing the seller with a targeted due diligence request list. We typically advise that buyers complete their Q of E evaluation before turning to the legal due diligence in order to avoid incurring material legal spend if financial diligence is going to kill the deal. But this is 
obviously determined at the discretion of the buyer and the speed of the transaction. At this stage, a virtual data room is sometimes opened by the seller or broker, which may be as simple as a shared Dropbox or Google Drive folder, where the seller or broker will deposit extensive documentation in response to the due diligence request list. This stage of due diligence can be iterative, and buyer and its counsel may progressively request more and more targeted documentation via supplemental request lists as the process advances. This process concludes with either the buyer obtaining enough information to get comfortable with the acquisition of the target company or deciding to walk away from the deal. Another practice tip, when conducting due diligence, always remember to have a well-defined scope of transaction, including what the structure of the deal is, stock versus asset acquisition. What is the legal and accounting budget? What are the critical deadlines, such as expiration of exclusivity, etc.? You want to make sure you define the scope of due diligence and transaction very well so that you don't incur unnecessary expenses and cause unnecessary delays to your transaction. Obtaining money to buy the business. If debt financing is required to close the transaction, the buyer should start having discussions with prospective lenders and negotiating financing terms very early in the process. As a buyer, your goal is to have enough financing commitment in hand from your lenders before you begin spending material money on legal or other assistance, including the drafting of the purchase agreement, to prevent what are called busted deal fees, and that is material fees and expenses paid for a deal that falls apart and doesn't ultimately close. Most SMB transactions are financed through the Small Business Administration, or SBA's, 7A loan program. A 7A loan is a terrific loan program only made possible via government subsidy, making it covenant-light debt and easier to obtain than conventional bank financing. However, the SBA also requires the borrower to sign a personal guarantee, so it does come with an equivalent amount of risk. It's also a government process, so I usually describe the process as getting a mortgage from the DMV. Later in the course, we will dive deep on the 7A loan program with input from expert SBA lenders on this process. Before advancing from due diligence and financing stage to the purchase agreement stage, we also strongly advise that you reach a meeting of the minds and obtain a commitment from any equity investors if there will be any in your deal. After the parties have entered into an LOI and concurrently with or after the consummation of the post-LOI due diligence, the parties along with their counsel will negotiate a definitive purchase agreement. We'll cover the purchase agreement in greater detail later in the course, but in broad strokes, the purchase agreement will cover a number of legal concepts that were initially addressed in the LOI, but in much greater detail, including representations and warranties, covenants, closing conditions, indemnification, termination, working capital, and other legal boilerplate. Practice tip. Although you should try to be thorough, it is not practical to cover off everything in an LOI that will be included in the purchase agreement. A number of areas will require more in-depth negotiations that aren't practical at the LOI stage due to the time and cost required. Let's talk a little bit about the timeline of an M&A transaction. A sample timeline for a typical private business buying transaction with SBA financing is as follows, though note that this timeline is being provided for illustrative purposes only and could vary significantly depending on the nuances of any given transaction. 
week one, buyer finds a business that it's interested in, and the parties sign an NDA for the sell for the buyer to receive the SIM or confidential information memorandum. In week one and two, the parties commence negotiations, have calls with the seller, begin preliminary due diligence, and the buyer's gonna seek preliminary input from lenders and advisors. In that second week, parties are gonna sign a non-binding LOI or letter of intent. The buyer now begins the process to receive formal approval from the lender for debt financing, formal commitment from equity investors, and begins the Q of E process. In the following weeks, weeks three to six, the buyer conducts a robust due diligence, starting with financial due diligence, including a Q of E review, engages in discussions with equity investors, and thoroughly examines the business. The due diligence process continues during this period. In the following weeks, weeks six through nine, the buyer and seller negotiate the purchase agreement and other related ancillary legal documents. And sometime around week nine to 10, the parties sign the purchase agreement and finalize those ancillary legal documents to prepare for closing around week 12. Let's turn now to part two. Who are the key players in M&A? It's no secret in the law firm world that junior lawyers know virtually nothing. Their job is basically that of a glorified secretary. Take notes, gather documents and materials, and keep them organized. Prepare initial drafts of basic documentation and learn everything they can. One of the very first tasks a junior lawyer will be charged with is compiling a working group list for the transaction. Unless the junior lawyer has a background in M&A or finance, they'll invariably look at the long list of names and organizations on a working group list and think, who are all these people and what do they do? The following is an introduction to the various major players in most M&A transactions, including those that would be included on a working group list. First are the buyers. If you're a searcher, this one is simple. You are the buyer. However, in M&A transactions, buyers can range from large public corporations to small privately held companies and individuals. Buyers who are looking to expand or improve their business are typically referred to as strategic buyers or strategic for short. In contrast, other buyers, including private equity funds and financial institutions, who buy and sell companies strictly to generate a financial return, are often referred to as financial buyers. Target company. The target company is the subject of the transaction. Sellers. The owners of the equity of the target company are the sellers. Depending on the nature of the transaction, the target company may have a large diversified body of equity owners, such as a, with a public company, may be wholly owned by a single individual or somewhere in between. The following are a few important distinctions based on transaction type. In a stock or equity sell, the sellers sell their equity to the buyer. In a merger, the sellers approve a transaction to merge the target company into a buyer entity and then receive merger consideration at the closing. This is a very rare structure in SMB. In an asset sale, the target company is actually selling its assets to the buyer, and the sellers receive the sale consideration as a distribution from the target company. Practice tip, one of the first questions every prospective business buyer should ask a seller or their broker is who actually owns the equity of the target company. The last thing you want to have happen is to negotiate an entire transaction or worse, close a transaction 
only to find out that there is another owner who is not on board with your agreement or is otherwise unaware of it. The target management. If the target company has management that's separate from its ownership, the target company's management may play a key role in the M&A transaction. This is common in larger scale corporate deals and less common in SMB, where management will be the same as the equity owners, but it is not unheard of. Brokers. In SMB transactions, the seller will often engage a business broker to help market and sell the target company. In many transactions, the broker will play a significant role in vetting and guiding the discussions with the buyer. In SMB, it's not uncommon for the broker to facilitate all of the communication between the buyer and the seller. Practice tip, every buyer should pay careful attention to the broker's disclaimers in the NDA and the incentives that they create. In most cases, the broker requires that you waive all liability against the broker for inaccuracies in the marketing materials upon which you base your offer. Always remember, caveat emptor, buyer beware. Investment bankers. In larger transactions, the seller may engage an investment banker in lieu of a broker. The investment bankers play largely the same role that business brokers play in SMB transactions. However, investment bankers may at times provide additional services, such as providing a fairness opinion, addressing the valuation, and the sale price. Lawyers. Lawyers and legal counsel play a significant role in guiding the transaction for both the buyer and the seller. Lawyers will assist with due diligence, drafting various agreements, including the purchase agreement. Lawyers may also provide tax and other specialty advice in service areas such as securities, intellectual property, environmental, employment, real estate, finance, and others. Practice tip, it is absolutely critical to the success of your transaction that you hire legal counsel experienced with M&A. Your legal counsel that has done other non-deal work for you may be in over their head in this situation, and they will never admit to this. Inexperienced lawyers have been known to kill otherwise good deals or generate unnecessarily large bills. Don't let this happen to you. Accounting firms. Buyers may choose to retain an accounting firm for assistance with diligence effort, including conducting a quality of earnings or Q of E review, which is an assessment of how a company accumulates its revenues, sometimes required by the SBA lending process. Finally, there may be other experts, depending on the scope and nature of your transaction, including economists, proxy solicitors, public relations firms, consultants, etc. Thanks for joining us for session two. A couple of disclaimers. Sorry in advance for the required disclaimers, but we got to do what we got to do. This course is presented strictly for educational and informational purposes and not for the purpose of marketing any legal services or seeking legal employment or otherwise motivated by pecuniary gain. The opinions stated in this course are from the authors and represent the opinions of those individual authors only, not the opinions of any other person or organization. Nothing contained in this course or otherwise from the authors hereof is to be interpreted as legal, financial, tax, investment, or any other form of advice. Please consult your own legal, financial, tax, investment, or other advisors before making any business buying or investment or other decision. The authors of this masterclass are not your lawyer, and no information provided in the course of this class or otherwise has the effect of forming an attorney-client relationship between you and the authors. In short, please get your own legal counsel. 
Finally, this course is being presented by the SMB Center LLC and has no affiliation or relationship with SMB Law Group LLP. Finally, a little bit about the authors. The authors have worked for some of the world's most elite law firms. During their time in big law, they regularly worked on transactions in the hundreds of millions to billions of dollars for some of the most recognizable companies and brands in the world and have extensive experience with M&A transactions of all types. The authors have since begun investing in select SMB acquisitions and have co-founded an SMB-focused law firm where they've collectively worked on hundreds of millions of dollars of SMB-focused M&A. 